What's good, everyone? This is Christian Joel Ramos, the podcast mercenary. I'm back at it again with another edition of the Amazon original show, The Boys, episode review. And today we're on episode four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so episode four was a little bit different than the previous episodes, for sure, because we start off with a romantic romantic little scene. You can tell the dream sequence because of the filter they use. They use this in every show for the most part where they want to show a dream sequence of like, you know, where they kind of fog up the surroundings and nice little filter effects because it's like a, you know, like a dream bubble or whatever. So Butcher is having sex flashbacks about his deceased slash missing wife because we don't know right now if she's still missing or if she's actually dead because that is the whole purpose. He's trying to investigate her whereabouts. Am I correct or am I lying? So but he... Sadly, after having his little flashback scene, wakes up to a harsh taste of reality. And let's just say that he's like a little bummed out. You know, show opening, and then it starts off with the butcher who snuck into Susan, who works for, I believe, the Feds, or CIA, not CIA, the Feds, DEA, one of those organizations. And Susan's this hot Italian woman that looks like she's uh, in her early 40s, uh, very uh, astute, uh, definitely of power. She carries herself like a boss, but she knows Butcher. So, you know, Butcher used to work for the military, kind of still does. Um, she's like, why should I not call the security to get you out of here? And he's like, because I got a plan and you might just like it. See, Susan, also like Butcher, hates the superheroes and sees them as a giant threat, which obviously these superpowered goons are that. If, if they're anything, they're that. And... um he is telling her about how the seven are using compound B. And she's like, how are you sure that that's what you're thinking it is versus just being a heroin needle or whatever? And that's where he's like, that's where I'm trying to find out to get help from you and see what we can do with that. So, you know, that's one scenario. We go to a different scene where Frenchie and uh, Mother's Milk are bonding <laughs> about the past. He was in the back of the van just chilling a little bit, you know, out of place because he's not really part of the original boys he's just there doing his thing thinking too much like he does and um they're at a stakeout and did they find their mark who's this like asian dude who obviously is one of the curators of the drugs of compound v that we found out a train the last episode um sources from so they go inside and there's like this little asian hideout where there's like it's a drug den i don't know what it's called it's a drug den it's a stereotypical drug den and Oddly enough, Frenchie hears some, like, Korean music. I think it's, like, K-pop or something. And he is... His eyes are fixated on a, on a cell. There's a cell down here in this little compound. And there's a girl there who's just covered in dirt and grime, looking like she's from the ring or something. Like, just very mistaken care of. And um, somehow he lets her free, thinking he's doing a good deed. But she goes on a fucking ravaging rampage and starts murdering all her uh assailants who captured her i mean more power to her i mean one of the guys even shoots himself in the head because of how gruesome this girl is in combat so you can obviously tell that she is a test subject for compound v because the way she was brutalizing and murdering these guys she was definitely super powered for sure so she was going in on them and just like wailing and gouging eyes it was pretty fucking crazy and gnarly so we go to another scene where, uh, oh yes, and at the end of this scene, um, the boys lock themselves in her cage and uh, are just there shook as hell like, oh, we don't want to deal with this shorty, like this bitch is going to kill us. 
So she runs off and escapes. And then we go to a different scene where the deep, he's in therapy. And you can tell this guy's got some issues on him because of the way he speaks and whatnot. And um, he's there talking about dolphins and how they're being slaughtered in Japan and how he was trying to sell a seven about it and how this is an important eco you know, journey for them. It's like, hey, you know what? We can do some, some be- something better for the environment, yada, yada. And they weren't having it. They were, like, bullying him over it, how he's, like, this weird fish guy that talks to fish. Like, this dude really being serious right now, trying to save the dolphins. We got bigger, dare I say, no pun intended, fish to fry. That was bad, I know. And um, they actually end up giving... He talks about how they talks about how they, the home, uh, homelander and A Train put a blow up dolphin doll with lipstick on its mouth on his bed, and he's like, "Ha ha, real mature guys." So you know, he feels like he's a running joke, just like Aquaman was in the Justice League before Jason Momoa made him into a complete badass. And the, you know, the guys like the therapist, like, you know what? You're part of the seven. You're one of the chosen ones. Don't ever doubt yourself. You're here for a reason. And he's like, "You're right." I do make a difference. And he talks about how he saved the Carnival Cruise from being stranded. And he's like, you know what? I do make a difference. It's a little different than how everybody else does it, but it still counts. And, like, of course it does. Guy's a complete and utter badass. He just doesn't see it because his own uh, shortcomings, I don't know what you want to call it, he feels like he's not as cool as the rest of the heroes. We get it. I mean, the fact they're actually playing on this... Sorry, I'm playing with my Joy-Con. I'm put these things down. Uh, <laughs> just here with my Switch. Uh, let's see here. So, And we go to a scene where the, the... We're back in the scene with the hideout. There we go. We're back in the hideout. They found Compound V at the hideout. Obviously, this is where they get their sources from. Um, then we go to a different scene. So it jumps from the deep scene to the therapy. So back to the drug den for a minute and... You know, they got what they came for. And now it goes into another scene where Annie, a.k.a. Starlight, is with Huey. uh, Hits up Huey in the drug den. There we go. And Butcher's like, who's that? He's like, oh, it's Annie. He's like, you have her number? And he's like, yeah, she kind of told me to hit her up. It's it's dumb. I don't know. Like, he's acting all cool. Like, he doesn't want to date her. Then Butcher's like, you're going to go and date her, mate. That was a terrible Australian accent. Let me try it again. Oh, no, you're going to go and date on me. That, that sounds terrible. I'm not doing accents anymore. So Carl Urban's like, you're going to go date this chick. You're going to wire, wiretap her phone, and we're going to use you as the inside guy because she's got a soft spot for you. And he's like, I don't think I'm ready to go dating. He's like, this is a mission. Don't think of it as being back dating. You're going to go into this as a mission-based objective, not just to get into a super soup's head, you know, head and bed and, you know, wine and diner. You're going to wine and diner for the sake of getting information out of her. So they're off on this date. Um, the marketing team now, we're going to a different scene where the marketing team is brainstorming with Madeline about Translucent and how to cover up his demise and what to say where he's at. They're, they've uh, agreed on upon uh, that he's in a mission uh, taking down the MS-13 so Madeline agrees to that because there's no more explanation needed after that. Once you say that, all right, see no more. He's gone. He's out of the picture. Now, there's a mission for uh, Homelander by Madeline that there's hijackers that take a plane on a transoceanic flight from Chicago to Paris. Now, if you don't know anything about the laws of the ocean, it's uh, open game for any country. The ocean is not owned by anyone. So that is the neutral zone where... Uh, they can do their hero work without any government interfering. So knowing this, 
They figured Homelander's going to pull Superman and land the plane and save him. But boy, were they a little bit off. Because Homelander's a typical superhero. He's no Superman, that's for sure. So the uh, hijackers, obviously, are their typical uh, you know, Arab terrorists. And I don't know if this scene's a little bit too touchy for people who have dealt with victims of this kind of flight from back in the days. But it, go, it goes there. And uh, these guys just got razor blades on them. And Homelander lander with lady mave because she can't fly he flies her up go onto this plane and take down the the baddies but before this happens uh we're at a scene where frenchy uh is back with his girl from his uh from his hideout and she's really being super kinky and horny and she's like she needs him and then bam she just grabs him by the dick and balls like saying you don't you ever go missing on me if i let me know where you're at and he's like i got it <laughs> and that was one of those weird like yeah, she's got him literally, figuratively and literally by the balls, which is hysterical. Um, now we're off to where the cops and corner corners are at the hideout uh, because of the dead bodies and whatnot. A-Train sees the uh, after effects of the hideout getting broken into and the massacre, and he zooms right out of there for, before anybody sees him because he's like, how the hell did anybody find this place to begin with? And how did they get, you know ransacked of my compound B. So the Deep, now we're going for the Deep, has an idea for a new mission with Madeline about the dolphins, the same idea that the therapist is talking about. And she was, again, not having it, but she wasn't as rude and, you know, bullying him about it. She was just telling him, we just need to be a spokesperson for this real quick. Be the best version of you. You know, just see where this goes. So she gives him the, she gives him the, the pass and go ahead and do it. But again, he's not like, enthusiastic because he thought it was going to be a hands-on mission and it turned into another one of these uh, TV commercials where people paying money to help. Um, so that's that with the deep. And then we got A-Train who confronts Popclaw about the Compound V hideout being broken into because she's playing super coy about it, acting really weird, like she doesn't know anything, but he knows that she's lying. And he's very disappointed that she's lying because this is a huge deal and a big... Uh, it's betraying his trust, essentially. But she can't say anything because the boys got some information on her. They're going to blackmail her. So she can't say anything or she's going to get ousted and everyone goes down. So that is going to be a treachery. Uh, it's going to be a sad moment for, uh, for her because if Homelander finds out, she's pretty much dead. So we're off to where the female arrives at a Vietnamese nail salon. And, you know, just like every Vietnamese nail salon, the... Owner tends to be in the back, kind of the money. You know, she's doing her thing. So she goes right for the back. I'm surprised no one stops. It's like a girl with bloody feet covered in grime and dirt and tells her anything. They just ignore her and let her walk to the back of the room. That was kind of weird. So she goes all the way to the back, and the lady's like, what do you need today, Manny Petty? We got a special for both. And she slaughters this lady. So I got a feeling this owner was probably like somebody who was bringing her over from like Vietnam or like somewhere in the Pacific and... She was, it was against her will. I'm assuming so. Like, she was definitely uh, smuggled by this coyote lady. So, she kills her off right there. And that was pretty gruesome. Luckily, it's killing off camera, so it didn't get too gruesome. So, we're off to her. Hugh and Annie are back on their bowling date, reminiscing about being kids, dating. Uh, apparently, Annie didn't get her first kiss till prom when she was 18. Hugh was a little bit taken back by it, but, like, not in a bad way. He was just surprised that such a beautiful girl was, like, not really in the dating scene so young. And she's like, well, you know, I grew up religious and yada, yada, yada. And he's like, oh, okay, I get it. 
He's trying to relate to her and be human, but obviously this is a guy dealing with PTSD of his girlfriend dying not too long ago, and he's in the right mental state to be dating. He knows this, so he's trying to be cool and not ask questions that are like, he's trying to get information out of her the right way by being like really, you know, listening to her and being very, just, just trying to be normal. And it's a tough thing to do when, again, you're not in the right state of mind. Like, this is all happening so suddenly, these change of paths for him. So... He's trying not to blow into a cover and ask about Translucent, saying he's a huge fan of his. And she's like, oh, he's, uh, he's like a jerk like everybody else. But um, at least he sees his kid every so often. And that triggers Huey. He's like, oh, my gosh, I killed a guy who has a child. Like, he feels like more of a murderer. And he, again, he's trying to save face here. So we go back to where Homelander is uh, killing the terrorists in the plane with his laser beam eyes. He thinks everything's all set because the terrorists are killed. But he kind of forgot one in the cockpit who was holding the pilot's hostage. So he shoots lasers at the terrorist that is at the cockpit. And like an idiot burns the controls of the plane. Like, come on, dude. You really just did this? Like, what are you, stupid? Apparently this guy is a fool. Like... He's so caught up in his own emotions. Yeah, he did that. So Lady Mae's like, how are we going to land this thing now? Like, terminal to say how to land the plane, but it's too late because the radio doesn't work. He burned literally all the controls, so they're kind of screwed right now. So Homelander is uh, has to make the ultimatum of like letting everyone die in the plane, which I think is messed up because if Superman was there, he would have tried to let the plane down. But apparently they downplay Homelander's power set that he's not able to do this like Superman has done many a times in films. So they're like, well, can you at least save this little girl and her mom? And he's like, we can't do it. We can't let any survivors because they're going to let everyone know we let everyone else die. And he goes out of character. You know, he doesn't, he's threatening to kill people on the plane who are pushing towards the cockpit. It's a sad scene where him and Lady Maeve escape and let everyone die. Just because he was so reckless in his mission to like essentially save these people. It's so cocky about it that he, he could have just punched all these guys. He didn't need to laser anything. That's just the dumbest thing about it. He just has no care for human life, really. And that's, it shows very much in the scene. That he's just a prick. He's just like a heartless prick who doesn't give a shit about anybody. That's Homelander for you. He is your very elitist uh, superhero who's just there for the fame and fortune and covers up all his mishaps. He's human. He's an overpowered human with too much power it's like a nice a little analogy of like life like power corrupting you there you go we go back to the scene where the boys are at the nail salon right and the scene remains on the owner's corpse there mutilated like some sort of like you know horror movie or whatever um a trains there also because he's trying to you know track down the female and um Butcher didn't know that, but Butcher's not bothered by it because as far as anybody knows, Butcher and A-Train have never met, and he is technically a private investigator, so he's doing his job like he's supposed to. But on the other hand, Frenchie, Frenchie's there looking at like nail polish for some reason, right? I guess he's bored. And we got Mother's Milk, who's like, oh shit, this guy just saw me last week because I was the guy installing the cables and I know who I am. It's going to be fishy that I'm here investigating this you know, the, the, a, I'm a private investigator. Like, he's, you know, he knows he's, he's covering himself before uh, Atrium puts two and two together. So he puts some shades on and hides in a corner over there. And then um, 
you know, Butcher makes a scene when you're leaving, like, what is it about you acting all weird? He's like, he just saw me, man, last week as a uh, cable installer. He's like, he's not going to remember who you are. And it has a little back and forth. And while they're bickering, Frenchie finds a clue to where the female's at. And she's actually heading to the train station. I guess she's trying to go back home. One way or another, she's trying to go back to where she's from, right? So then we go to the scene where the Annie is opening up about Huey, uh, about everything, you know, job issues and um he seems conflicted as well like he's not really present in the date and he saves face by saying you know he's calling out annie because she's holding back she's trash at bowling and not doing a good job bowling like he's like stop trying to make me feel good about myself because you're letting me win like i know you used to bowl back before you were super in iowa and you're really good play to your skill set and boy does she do, does she do it she actually gets strikes and she's doing phenomenal bowling now that she knows she can't she doesn't have to hold back because he's not insecure about it. And now they're both a little bit more relaxed and not so uptight. And that was a good save by Huey because in his mind he's still stuck on this thing that like, oh my gosh, I'm lying to the superpowered chick who can kill me. And the more information she's giving me, the more I'm seeming to be transparent. And uh, that's what he's trying not to do is let his guard down essentially. So we go to the scene, right? Where uh, Milk and Frenchie and Butcher, um, they find out Ezekiel, who's this superhero that's also a pastor or preacher of a mega church or a, a church festival thing. And um, he's outsourcing the soups with all this compound V. He's the source of the compound V. He's a big guy in charge. So this is when uh, Frenchie essentially finds the female, tries to speak to her in some sort of like video store, like a radio show, like a little, you know. Like a little communication uh, kiosk or small store. And he tries to talk to her, but then uh, some sort of flicker in the channel happens. It sh uh, sh you know, shakes her and she like escapes and he's like, damn it, I almost had her. So this is the part where Milk, Frenchie, and Butcher have a little tussle. Because uh, now Milk is blaming Frenchie for not gassing her and knocking her out and capacitating her. Because he was trying to talk to her like a regular person. But Frenchie's like, I know what I was doing. And then this is when Milk lets it out that he's still blaming Frenchie for the death of uh, their co-worker. I don't want to say co-worker, but their teammate, Mallory, who was killed by a lamplighter. And um, this is where they bring back old bullshit and just start beefing. And then, you know, they fight and throw fists and Butcher separates them. And then uh, Mother's Milk storms out. He's like, I'm done with you. I'm done with all this bullshit. I'm out. And this is where the funniest part begins, where Butcher mentions the Spice Girls. And he's like, what are you talking about? Mother's Milk is like, what is going on here? He's talking about the damn Spice Girls for? He's like, he's bringing up a bunch of facts about them, how they all are doing mediocre at best when they're separate, but they're actually good when they're like a team, kind of like, this is my analogy, like Voltron together, they're more united. So he's trying to rally the troops, essentially. And at the end of this, he's like, all right, I get your point, but... How do you know so much about the damn Spice Girls? And this is where uh, Billy Butcher, who's like this, you know, badass character, just stays quiet for a second and just he's like and tries to change the subject essentially. <laughs> so this is the part where we go from Frenchie, Milk, and Butcher uh, making amends, getting back on track to the deep stealing a dolphin from the aquarium. And this is the part that's hilarious. The deep is, I, I don't know if he's drunk or on drugs or just riding on a natural high. 
he steals a dolphin. He's talking to the dolphin. The dolphin's talking about giving him a handy or something. And I'm not even joking. The dolphin wants the deep to touch him. Of course, this guy can talk to fish, and dolphins are pretty horny animals by nature. He breaks him out, and then he's getting chased by the cops in the van, and then he hits the brakes way too fast. The dolphin flies through the windshield onto the street, or it seems like it's a road, and an 18-wheeler runs it over and kills it. So all this trouble to save one dolphin for nothing. And it was kind of a funny scene, to be honest. I know animal cruelty is not funny, but the circumstances of the deep trying to find his heroism, whatever, is just like sad, really. It's a dark comedy. You, 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 at the moment, it wasn't gruesome. I mean, thankfully, it was done at night in this scene. It wasn't daylight, so it, it didn't look as bad as it did for all you animal lovers. But it definitely played in a way that it was comedic. So the boys find the female. Finally, they're chasing her through the, a mini mall or a, a underground mall, whatever it was. And she's at the train tracks, and A-Train finds her. She jumps on the tracks. A-Train grabs her, flash style, and just like rams her head through the, through the walls. And he's there trying to beat her, beat her to pieces and just scrapping and going at it, throwing hands, both of them back and forth. And then Frenchie, the save, uh, the female from getting wrecked, makes a distraction like, hey, is that A-Train? And a mob of people on the train tracks see him. And then A-Train's trying to save him. He's like, hey, everyone. He's just there. After almost murdering a chick, he's just there being distracted by all these fans who want autographs and pictures. And, of course, he's not going to say no to that. This is a PA stunt at this point. He's got to put a brave face and take as many selfies or whatever. And this is when the female finally escapes. And she is just going through the tunnels. And then you got a Homelander, another scene, right? Where him and Lady Maeve are at the crash site 37 and Homelander's giving this rah-rah speech, harrowing speech about like, it's a tragedy that this happened, putting some fake tear, crocodile tears on because he's the one really responsible for all this shit. And um, I mean, granted, sadly to say, if he wasn't there involved, the plane would have probably gone down regardless because of the terrorists. But had he executed his priorities correctly, he could have saved everyone. Let's be serious. And this is where um, Lady Maeve, you can tell, just clocks out. She is not part of this. She was there to find, to save at least two or three kids. Homelander could at least have a group of people. Like, if they all held hands like a chain of people, you know, like like an Iron Man 3, or I think it was or Iron Man 2, you can do that. You can just have everyone holding hands together. Not all 100-something. That's a lot of weight of human mass. But if you had at least four or five people, I think Homelander would have been strong enough to carry four or five. and Or at least... As he's holding Lady Maeve, I think she would have probably held three people because she's got the superhuman strength as well. So they could have worked it out, save a couple. But he was so keen that no one has to survive because if I leave the rest to die, they know I fucked up. It's going to go out there in this press and make me look bad and we'll never get that government contract. So I get where he's coming from, but at the same time, he's going about it the very wrong way. And that scene ends, the episode with the doll that the little girl on the plane was there who Homelander uh, promised to save. And then it's just sad because, you know, she died in the ocean. There were no survivors. And um, the, um, the crew that's there to help find the bodies are clapping a Homelander for giving this rah-rah speech. It's going to help him get that government contract. And Madeline's watching this on the news with a giant evil smirk on her face like, yes, we need this kind of press. It's definitely going to help us get this contract that we definitely need at this point. And that's where the episode ends. I mean, this is one of the more... Um, Intricate episodes, as far as I'm concerned, as far as little subtleties happening for the future 
endeavors of the, the team. Like, this squad is just completely utter shit. Everyone's got some skeletons in their closet for sure. And they're definitely, uh, well, you know, what can I say? They're definitely not um, the best teammates to deal with. For the, this is what I like about the boys. These are not your typical superheroes. These people are all have ulterior motives, and this is what makes them so unlikable. Matter of fact, I'm four episodes in, and the only people I like are the boys. I don't even like any of the superheroes. Maybe Starlight. I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. For now, she comes off as she's trying to be a good person to do the right thing. But will she continue this path, or will she finally turn like the rest of the boys? I mean, um, the seven, sorry. The rest of the seven. And become vindictive and heartless as they are. Who knows? This has been the Season 1, Episode 4 review of the Amazon original series, The Boys. Hope you all enjoyed, and stay tuned for the next one.